think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello again. Welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, we are back for one of our top five episodes. We're back, baby, and it's top five films of 2019. Yes, which seems kind of random and arbitrary, but it's not, and here's why. So first of all, uh, when we went on hiatus, it was right at the end of 2019. So we didn't get to do our top five films of 2019 because we never filmed and recorded an episode in 2020, which that would have been the first episode that we came back to. Um, And for longtime listeners of the show, uh, we did our top 10 move films of, or what was he called? 100 Years of Hollywood and 100 Episodes, where we went through uh, every year from 1917 to 2017 and did our top one our top 10 films for each year then we did a 2018 episode but we never got to do our 2019 episodes so we're making up today it was a long time coming and uh yeah we did every year that's crazy yeah yeah yeah. we're finally doing 2019 yeah and i think it's 2020 which should be interesting considering how few films came out yeah i've still got quite a few more to watch from 2020 but, uh, yeah, I think we can do it. So uh, we're going to do our top five movies of 2019, and then we're going to do uh, our ATE recommends, where Phil and I share a couple of things that we are uh, watching, slash reading, slash listening to, slash experiencing that we recommend we think you guys will like. So um, let's dig into it, Phil. Let's get into our top five movies of 2019, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to kick things off? Sure thing. So um, I, I do have a couple of quick honorable mentions. Do you want to do those at the top or at the bottom? Hey, l- l- let's do them. Let's do them now because they're sort of before. Right. Yeah, they're just outside the top five, aren't they? They are just outside the top five. So my two honorable mentions, I could add a lot more. I could have added in. My two honorable mentions were uh, Knives Out, uh, a very fun murder mystery with Daniel Craig and an all-star cast uh, that I really enjoyed. And then 21 Bridges, which did not get nearly enough. Um, oh, yeah, I never saw that. Oh, man, I just missed my top five, too. If this was a top ten, it would have definitely been on there. Uh, Chadwick Boseman stars as a police officer. There's a couple of criminals who killed, I believe, another police officer. So they have to basically close down Manhattan. That's the hence the 21 bridges. They close them all down to try and keep these guys from getting out of the city. Uh, and they only have a certain amount of time to try and catch them. It's a great action movie. Um, really kind of like the ones they sort of used to make back in like the 90s when I think action movies were really great. Um, but a serious action film. And Chadwick Boseman is great. Uh, some of the lesser known actors in it, a couple of guys that play the criminals are really, really good. Um, and there's just a lot more going on than it seems like at first glance. And I absolutely loved it. So great film. Yeah, that's always, I like the trailer. It reminded me of like a 90s cop thriller. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When I was doing my list, I realized there was quite a few films from 2019 I'd missed out, and that was one of them. Okay. Well, that now you, you know, now is your chance, I guess. Do you want to do your honorable mentions, or you want me to jump in my number five, and then you'll do yours at the top? Uh, you do your number five, and then. Okay. All right. So my number five is uh, the uh, is called uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, it is from um, writers and directors, uh, a pair of guys named Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. I think it might be their first uh, film, although I did not 
I did not verify that, so I apologize. But uh, it stars, actually, of all people, Shia LaBeouf, uh, as well as Dakota Johnson and a, a new actor named Ooh. Zach Gottsagan, who has Down syndrome, um, and his character has Down syndrome. Um, and it's this really beautiful little movie. Uh, Shia LaBeouf plays, I guess what you would call a classic ne'er-do-well. Um, pretty much he's, uh, you know, getting run out of town. Uh, he's got some guys after him because he owes the money. He's kind of just a troublemaker. And he ends up meeting um, Zach Gottsagan's character, who is a, a young man with Down syndrome who escapes from the home he's living in. Uh, the two of them meet up, and uh, Zach wants to become a wrestler. Uh, Shia LaBeouf sort of lets him tag along with him and it's sort of like one of these classic um, not even quite a road trip movie but I guess kind of a road trip movie they spend most of the time walking but um, it's a really sweet film as you watch the relationship between these two characters develop uh, Dakota Johnson is the kind of the, the the aid worker who works with Zach's character and, and is trying to find him once he escapes um, and uh, I really enjoyed it and I, I just it's a it's a great it's a funny film. It's a moving film. It's a dramatic film. It does charm you. Um, and uh, it reminded me of Mud, a film with Matthew McConaughey from, oh, no. I think, 2012, 2006, 2008, something like that. Um, just had this kind of interesting vibe that you don't see in a lot of other movies. And um, I, I, it's interesting, too, because uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf in interviews has said that meeting Zach Gottsagan basically saved his life because he was on just a path to just bad things. And then he met this this kid you know with with down syndrome who was just so positive and enthusiastic and kind of wouldn't let Shia LaBeouf like do any of these bad things and he said he really turned his life around which I think is really really sweet so um it's a good film I don't think it got a big enough audience and uh it's my number five peanut butter falcon an excellent choice we may be hearing that once we may be hearing that in a bit sooner but awesome. uh, no I like the film uh so my honorable mentions there's two of them there's 1917 which mm -hmm. was the Sam Mendes uh, World War One film. Uh, thought it was great, mainly though, it's the technical level, the fact it's all filmed, so it looks like one shot all the way through. Just yeah. just incredible. Uh, very tempting as well. And another one was the Apollo 11 documentary all about the Apollo oh. 11 mission. Yes. Using actual footage. It's just, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have any inclination or interest in space, mm -hmm. uh, watch it. It's so well done. It's, it's yeah. And it, it looks like the footage was, taken yesterday it's whatever they've done to it it's amazing i, I agree oh, yeah. with you I did, not, I did not remember to put that one on my list but uh it's terrific and i, I agree with you phil i highly recommend yeah. that one really really good documentary but my uh my number five is uh jojo rabbit uh take it with tt directs it also appears in it as adolf i won't say the phone line because i think because we'll be putting this on youtube and i think that messes up with the algorithm but uh, yeah. yeah he plays adolf while he's actually a figment of a kid's uh of jojo rabbit who's uh, trying to deal with all the things that are going on in Second World War and the, all the terrible things that, that's getting done. But it's got a great cast. Scarlett Johansson's brilliant as JoJo's mother. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, my. Sam Rockwell just steals it from me. He's just brilliant. Yeah. He's good as well. Oh, just be, some, I, I love Sam Rockwell. He's just everything he's in. Uh, yeah. And there's also, I'm trying to find the, the kid's name, his mate. Uh it oh, is Roman Griffin Davis, and I'm not saying that there's any reason why I happen to know that off the top of my head. Well, yeah, Roman Griffin Davis is Jojo. He's absolutely stunning as well. But his the one as well who played his, his friend, Yorkie, Archie oh. Yates, the kid with the glasses. Every time he shows up, it's just it's it's weird how a film dealing with such terrible times and things is just it's you're laughing your head off one moment and then you're just almost in tears the next. And mm -hmm. 
hand over your mouth with shock at other points. Brilliant cast. If you were on the, on the seat whether to go on the fence as to whether to watch it or not because what it deals with, it does do it very well. And it is from the viewpoint of a kid trying to deal with it. And those child actors are just brilliant in it. But uh, Absolutely. that's my number five. All right. Well, uh, to quote you, uh, you may be hearing about that again soon. So I think we have oh, some okay. yeah, on our yeah. list. And here, You know, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I meant to mention earlier, and I, and I didn't. I think that we may have some overlap on our list because as I was going through things, I realized 2019, not a great year for movies. You know, there's yeah. some years that are just like great for movies, and there's other years that are much less great for movies. 2019 was not uh, a great year. You know, I've had times where we're doing top tens where I, I could barely squeeze it down to 10. You know, yeah. here I, I came up with a 10 very easily and getting it down to five wasn't even that, that hard. I mean, but it, I, I don't think there was more than 10 or 11 films I loved in all of 2019. So I think that maybe the reason we're going to see some overlap is because uh, there just wasn't that many great films to choose from in 2019. Yeah, that's, that's my true. perspective. That's true. But also we need to point out as well, these are our favorite films. Uh, so Favorite doesn't always mean it's the best film, best, most well made, the best script, and whatever, best, best directed. These right. are just the ones that right. we, we enjoyed the most. Yeah, these aren't the Oscars. You're going to definitely see some non Oscar fare on my list. Um, but it's the movies that, you know, I think were the, the most enjoyable. The, you know, the, they may be the best, in my opinion, as far as what I enjoyed the most. It doesn't mean yeah. there aren't other films that are more technically adept or better acted or better written, but these are the films that we loved. So. Um, all right, my number four, I will be surprised if it's on your list, but then at the same time, I, I won't entirely be surprised if it's on your list, but it is, and there's an asterisk on this one. This is my, I don't know how to do an asterisk <laughs> with my fingers, but this is an asterisk. Um, so my number four is Dr. Sleep, and the asterisk is, yeah, it has to be the director's cut, uh, which is, I think, something like 45 minutes longer than the original theatrical version. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the original theatrical version, but from what I read about all the things they took out of the director's cut, I would have to be very surprised uh, if it's nearly as good. And I, based on the box office and critical receipts, I, I'm going to say it probably wasn't. But Dr. Sleep uh, stars Ewan McGregor and um, Rebecca Hall. It was written and directed by Mike Flanagan, who has done the... Um, the Haunting of Hill House TV show on Netflix. He also did Oculus and some other movies, and he's, he's widely regarded, I think, as a pretty good horror uh, writer-director right now. Um, I had very low expectations for Dr. Sleep. I, it's a sequel to The Shining. It is a direct sequel to The Shining. Um, it's sort of a blend as a sequel to the book and the movie, which I don't think yeah, is yeah, easy to pull off. Um, and I'm not even a huge Shining fan. I like The Shining just fine. It's not one of my favorite movies. Um, but there was something about Dr. Sleep that I absolutely loved. The way they tied it into the original film, they recreated certain scenes in ways that I thought worked so well. The whole story of it, it had this just very, like, uh, really interesting vibe to it. That To me, it was almost kind of reminded me a little bit... This is a weird comparison, but it reminded me a little bit of like the stand, like in the in the vibe category. Story-wise, yeah. nothing like the stand, but in the vibe, it kind of reminded me of the stand and just the feel of it. It was like Stephen King stuff at its best. I haven't read the book. Uh, like I said, I'm not a huge Shining fan, but Dr. Sleep just really blew me away. And again, the director's cut, it's, it's long. It's like two hours and 45 minutes, but... Um, I think a lot of the really cool stuff that they take out, things that really develop the characters and make the story interesting is missing in the theatrical version. So um, director's cut, Dr. Sleep, that's my number four. Okay, that's a great pick. And I, I totally forgot about that film. I, I saw, I went to the cinema to see that. Mm. And I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen, oh, you'll seen it. Yeah, I, I need to get the director's cut to watch because I, I loved it. I, I like the way it took its time. 
Good. Well, yeah. and was, that was one of the best things. It, it wasn't rushing anything. Right. New McGregor is uh, Danny was was brilliant. Yes. But I need to. I didn't make a note to watch the director's cut, so I need to get onto that. But yeah, I really. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cool. Okay. My number four is you've already mentioned it, the Peanut Butter Falcon, awesome. modern day Huckleberry Finn tale. There you go. Uh, it's a much better way of describing it than what I did. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just brilliant performances by everybody involved. I love the uh, – it's just got a good feel to it, though. You really get the the sense of the environment they're in, uh, just the people that they, they meet. And I just love those kind of relaxed stories where people are just moving from place to place, meeting people, having some adventures. Mm -hmm. um, it's Yeah, it's just – it's superb. It's a really good film, and it's well worth checking out. Yeah, That's my and, and I'll I'll just I don't, I don't think I said it earlier. I will, I'll of course I agree with everything you said, but Shia LaBeouf's performance is terrific. And you know, oh yeah, yeah. I've long thought he's a, a very good actor. He gets a lot of crap because of all of his personal stuff and people like to make fun of him and whatever. But he's a good actor. I don't think you can deny that. But if if you doubt that, watch Peanut Butter Falcon because his performance is utterly fantastic. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Good reminder of how talented he is. Yeah, all right, well, my, a, the problem is he always gets in the way of himself. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But when he just does a good performance, it's it can be great. And this one, yeah. this one is totally. Uh, my number three uh, has already appeared on your list, uh, and it is <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Um, and you said most everything there's to say about it, uh, so I won't repeat too much of it. I will just say that, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to draw any direct comparisons because I don't know what else is on your list. But the fact that a certain film won the best Oscar, uh, which I wasn't enthralled with anyway. Uh, the fact that then I watched Jojo Rabbit after the Oscars, and I was doubly uh, annoyed because I think Jojo Rabbit should have won the Oscar for Best Picture of 2019. Um, personally, it's it's a, an amazing film, great performances. You know, anytime you can take something like World War II and very specifically like Germany in World War II and make a film that is, I don't want to call it a comedy because it's mm. not a comedy. Um, but it, it's very funny, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's a dramedy, I think, in the best sense of the word. Yeah, right, yeah. a lot of moving parts parts that move you not moving parts um and a lot of great comedy as well um and just all in a way that is that is uh very respectful very fun um and not making fun of it or making light of the situation like you said because it's from this kid's perspective trying to make sense of it that's a really great way of putting it um i absolutely loved jojo i was blown away by it uh terrific movie and that's my number three what okay well my yeah, my number three is uh, one starred Eddie Murphy, and it's Dolomite is my name. Uh, it's uh, it's all about it's a biopic about or biopic, however you want to say, all about uh, Rudy Ray Moore, the comedian who did Dolomite and lots of other big pictures. And I was aware of those films. I think I'd seen some of them, some of the black exploitation films of his back in the day. Didn't remember too much about them. Uh, and then I saw this. I, I liked Eddie Murphy. It was sort of a bit like a comeback. And so I, I watched it, and I just I thought it was it was charming, to be honest. Mm. It's just uh, the character of uh, Rudy Ray Moore. I hope he was as nice as uh, Eddie Murphy played him and things, because he just he just it was really good, and he's nothing like the character of Dolomite or this other personas he put up. He just and it's just one of I think it's one of Eddie Murphy's best performances, to be honest. Sure. But he also had a great uh, ensemble cast around him. Wesley Snipes was just. Every time it was on, I was, it just made me laugh so much as well as this pro a proper actor who's uh, to get him get involved in the in the making the, these films. And it just goes to show that you might not know much. You might uh, 
you don't really need to know much to actually make a movie. You just need people who've got a lot of commitment and passion and heart for it. And you can you can make something and who knows, it might become a, a cult success, but it's just it's just great. And I learned an awful lot about uh, Rudy Ray Moore, probably more than I ever thought I'd need. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really good and it made me laugh. And it was just, as I said, it was a charming film. But you've got to watch the language and stuff if you go and go in there. But it's uh, on Netflix and Eddie Murphy was sublime in it. I really enjoyed okay. it. Yeah, I actually have not seen that one yet. Uh, I was interested in watching it, but I just hadn't gotten around to it. So uh, that's good to know. I'll definitely, I definitely want to check it out now even more than I, I already did. So great pick. All right. So my number two, um, probably not making a lot of critics lists, uh, and I don't care because I absolutely love it. I think I've seen it three times already uh, since 2019. It is Terminator Dark Fate. Now, wow. I'll just say wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Not to be on your list. Okay. Here's the thing. I know a lot of people. Like I, I'm admittedly a big Terminator fan. I like the Terminator movies that everybody else hates. Right. I don't. I like Genesis, even yeah, with all yeah. the problems. Um, I liked the 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 um, the Future War one, whatever that was called, with with Christian Bale. Despite all of its problems, like I, I'm a Terminator fan, admittedly. Um, but I'll I'll watch those movies and I'll admit, like, hey, they have their flaws. Okay. Terminator Dark Fate is hands down the best Terminator movie since T2. Um, and I know that's a low bar for some people, but it's like pretty close to the levels of T1 and T2, in my opinion. It's a, the only thing that works against it, in my opinion, is that it's a little bit of a rehash of the stories of T1 and T2, right? It's not, they didn't really take the, the story in any really new direction. Um, but that said, it's just fantastic. It feels like a James Cameron film because he produced it. He didn't direct it, but it's directed by Tim Miller, who uh, directed uh, Deadpool. Um, and, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is back. Linda Hamilton is back. You know, they're old and grizzled, but it, it, it fits into the storyline. There's some new characters. Mackenzie Davis plays this sort of uh, Terminator human hybrid type of thing. Um, and it, it, like I said, it's just from start to finish, it feels like a James Cameron movie. The cinematography feels like Cameron. The stakes, the humor, um, the way it's shot and edited, uh, it all has a very Cameron feel. And I think if you watch Terminator and then Terminator 2 and then Terminator Dark Fate, you have a perfect science fiction action trilogy. Um, it's really, really good. And I think it's a lot better than people expect it to be. And I know it didn't do well at the box office because I think people were just sort of tired of bad Terminator sequels by that point. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it yet, I highly, highly recommend it. I loved it. I've watched it a few times, and I, I love it every time. So Terminator Dark Fate, my number two. Yeah, I was surprised because I, I did see it and was sort of, uh, Really? Yeah, it, was, it was probably, as you said, it's probably the best of the sequels after Terminator 2. Yeah. Well, I always thought I, Terminator Salvation was a nice try, you know, going into the future and stuff. But maybe I need to watch it with T Terminator T2 and then. Um, yeah, make a little marathon out of it. Mm. Listen, yeah, I, all opinions yeah. are valid. I just, I really loved it. It really clicked for me. No, that's that's great. It's nice. It's always nice that uh, it's always a good thing about films. People love them, hate them. And if we all agreed, it would all be pretty boring. Right, so, exactly. Uh, it would be a lot easier online, though. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. So uh, my number two is a film which won't be on Mike's list. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's film. <laughs> yeah. Starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. And so many other people. I, I really, I'm a big fan of Quentin Tarantino, uh, and I know the criticisms people had for this film. I can understand, uh, but I loved it. It was just like a, a slice of life from the '60s, 
Um, this, seeing these two guys who not realizing the world that they lived in was changing around them and trying to keep up with them on the back foot the whole time. But I, I just, I love the performances. I love the way it was done. I loved, I love that scene of Brad Pitt driving for what felt like hours. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but I love the way they did that and the fact that they did change. Now that movie, more shots of people driving. That's what that movie yeah. needed. That's, that's, I think so. But no, I did like the fact as well that they did change the, lots of the streets and things they were driving down. So they tried to keep it the CG needed to, to alter it to a minimum. And I just, I, I like the whole vibe of it. And then the, if uh, Quentin Tarantino, probably the closest we got to a Quentin Tarantino horror movie was the bits on the farm with the Manson family and things like that with uh, Brad Pitt's character going around trying to find out what's happened to the farmer there. But it's it was a slice of life from a particular time that I just... I just loved uh, going into and just sitting back and just going with the flow. But uh, on the end, when it goes full Quentin Tarantino, it was just, what? When, and when the flamethrower came out. Yeah, I, um, I am a Quentin Tarantino fan, no doubt about it, but I really hated that movie. I do not understand how people like it as much as they do. And so many people really like that movie, and I just don't get it. It was yeah. – here. here's – Here's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in my opinion, in a nutshell. Boring, pointless, boring, pointless, boring, pointless, funny, boring, pointless, boring, pointless. Oh, my God, violent. A little bit funny, the end. That's yeah. That was the nutshell version of oh my, Once Upon a Time in well, Hollywood. I, I, I just hear lots, lots of people did seem, it did seem to be sort of kind of split. People love it, or they just didn't. There's very, yeah. I, there's very few reviews I read where people went, oh, well, you know, they're like middle ground kind of thing. Yeah, but I can yeah. I can understand why people didn't like it. Yeah, but, uh, I guess I, just, I, I really I really enjoyed seeing it. But uh, I thought um, Brad Pitt, I was brilliant, and Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, some stunning acting from him as well. So I thought, was, I thought Brad Pitt kind of got a lot of acclaim for mostly playing bad Brad Pitt. I'm not sure why everyone thinks he was so great in it. I don't think he was bad in it. I just didn't see what was so amazing about it. I thought Leo's performance was much better, but Brad Pitt seemed yeah. to get all the press. I don't mm -hmm. know why. Yeah, yeah, DiCaprio definitely he did a lot more. He had to, uh, many more different scenes as well involved in yeah. um, using many different skills. But yeah, but that's it. That was my number two. All right, fair enough. I'm wondering whether our number one will be. I think it kind of has to be right because I, I can't imagine this film didn't make your top five. So I kind of feel no. like it has to be your number one as well. Um, well, I'll just say what it is then. My number one was the biggest movie in the world. Does that sound about right, Phil? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, Little Women. Yeah. What's that? Little Women. Oh, yeah, Little Women, definitely. Uh, no, uh, it was Avengers Endgame. Um, that that was my number one for 2019. Was it same yes. for you? It was my number one as well. All right. Well, we, as you like to say, we have a bingo then. Yes, um, a bingo. Yeah, it's just it was. It could have been lackluster in so many ways. It could have disappointed in so many ways, and it just didn't. Like scene after scene after scene, it had everything. You know, you had like your touching moments with like Tony Stark and his dad, and you know all of that stuff, and it had like its crazy big action scenes and everything. And then you just had like like I legitimately literally get tears in my eyes in the scene when Captain America shows you know shows up with the with the Thor's hammer in his hand, oh, like yeah. you know. You're just like, oh my god, it's the best ever because it's all about what a great character Steve Rogers is, and just I, it's just, it's so well done, and it's big, and the spectacle, and the action, and everybody. But it doesn't, it doesn't, unlike something like Godzilla versus Kong, which we talked about in our last episode, it doesn't 
sacrifice the humanity and the characters and the and and the you know what what makes it interesting just to fit in all this big crazy stuff all the big crazy stuff is in there but at the end of the day you still care about these characters right there's a couple of character deaths i won't i mean i'm sure everyone knows by now i won't spoil them that are that are really moving uh and there's just so many moments that work so well and then on top of all that you have some of the biggest superhero action scenes we've ever seen in our entire lives it's amazing i love it it, it it's just such a great film i, I can't find anything wrong with it yeah, everything you said is true. It was a culmination of 10 years and 20-odd films. Um, the fact, it still blows my mind that they managed to do it. Yeah, and absolutely. It had so many callbacks, especially because there was a time travel element to it. It was nice doing that as well, going back and things like that. Yeah. Uh, characters, it's been great seeing various characters evolve because uh, I've been watching them chronologically over the past few weeks. You know, in chronological order, starting with Captain America and working way through. And it's, you, you know, Iron Man was always, uh, Tony Stark was always, you know, a, a douchebag but uh <laughs> especially when you go back to the early ones you see just how you know egotistical he was and you're seeing him change and then the battle of new york happens and then the iron man 3 and his, his growth throughout that is amazing and then you've got steve rogers as well just a good man made better by the by the serum yeah. uh just all look at and the fact all these characters have a have a moment to shine and then you've got the battle with all those other people and you're still it's still it's just I'm just big smile on my face as you say. There's moments where you like go, you're sad, you're cheering. It's just just got everything. And if it's, I mean, I still think maybe Infinity War, as a, as a film, works slightly better than Endgame. But Endgame as a as a closing chapter to that, to that whole Marvel thing is just just a stunning achievement. Yeah, and it was, it was so. I'm so glad I've been alive to see it all. Really, oh, really. Sure. yeah. Yeah, I, I love Infinity War too. Actually, I don't know that I could, I could, you know, I could make a distinction. I do. I, maybe Endgame gets a slight edge for me, but I, they're pretty. I'd have to watch them back to back to really compare. But they're yeah. they're both great. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, great. I'm well. I'm glad it was both our number one. So I think a lot of people will probably put it as their number one film in 2019. Probably not the most surprising choice in the history of our lists, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, really hard to pick anything else. I think so. Uh, great. All right. So there you go. Those are our top five movies of 2019. A long time coming, but we finally got it done. Hooray. We did it. We did it. We did. Um, all right. So now it is time for us to do our uh, ATE recommends, also known as what are Phil and Mike listening to slash reading slash watching slash whatever else we're doing with it right now. Yeah, basically, uh, it's not supposed to put in anything that we like that isn't just films. Right, exactly. Just, just uh, you know, let us do our thing. Let us, let us show off some of the stuff we like. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, do you want to kick us off then, Phil? Yes. Well, mine, mine are both sort of game related ones, board game ones, role playing related. Okay. I will start okay. off with uh, Peterson's Field Guide to Lovecraftian Horrors. Cool. Which is for the uh, Call of Cthulhu role playing game, uh, but it's just great. It goes into details of fifty three Lovecraftian creatures. Categorized and detailed. So it's a good one to pass to the players. It's got some gorgeous artwork. Oh, nice. Very beautiful artwork. Uh, and then it's got descriptions and things you can't see so well, but it goes into little bits about where you'll find them, what they look like, where what the environment would be like around them. So you can really make your players get a bit panicky. Um, <laughs> there's another, I've marked another picture there. Where I want to, where has it gone? Yeah, you got. Uh, that one, oh, yeah, Nile tip and a few others. But it's uh, beautiful if you like. If you like the works of Lovecraft, if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, 
or any other kind of horror related thing it's uh, it's worth checking out wherever you can buy books and well, I, know you your, uh, I know you love your lovecraft and i know you like your your role-playing games so that seems like it's uh, perfectly up your alley so we can play face to face with yeah. people and go hey oh this is what it looks like and hold the book up and they'll go right. home <laughs> <laughs> so what Good. have you got I actually only have one today, um, and this is it is called Nothing But a Good Time, and it is the uncensored history of the 80s hard rock explosion, and it is 528 pages of pure goodness. It is basically a history of the hair metal bands of the 80s, um, all your you know Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Poison, Warrant, Rat. Skid Row, all those big bands from the 80s, that uh, most of whom I, I love, uh, I'll admit. Now, here's the thing. I listen to current music all the time, uh, but I still love my 80s hair metal bands. And so when I saw this book had come out, um, I had to get it. And it's basically like an oral history. It's in that sort of format where it's just presenting like chunks of interviews from all these different people as they detail the scene. You, you read all about how these bands got signed, how they broke big, um, you know, uh, all the debauchery and the drugs. I mean, like if there was ever a book that could be subtitled Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, it is this <laughs> one. So, uh, three things, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what this book is about. Um, but it's just great. There's so many neat little nuggets in there. Um, uh, somebody was saying there was a quote. It was like, first you put out your rock songs, then you put out your ballad, then you buy a house. Because that's kind of how it went back then, right? Like they put out their yeah, big yeah. songs and their big ballad it made them blow up, and then you buy a house. And things, you know, like C.C. DeVille from Poison was almost in Striper, but they wanted to paint his guitar yellow and black, and he wanted he's all about pink and purple, so he was like, nah, I'm not digging it, and he ends up in Poison. <laughs> it's all these great stories. One time right. Axel got into a fist fight with David Bowie and went chasing him down the street, like all kinds of stuff. It's just fantastic. It's so much fun to read. So um, if you have any interest whatsoever in like 80s hard rock hair metal bands, cannot recommend nothing but a good time highly enough. It's I have not put it down legitimately. I like nothing but a good time, Mike. Really is it? Really is. I have to say, I'm I'm loving it. Now, I admittedly, I'm a fan of that that music as well as a lot of other types of music. Um, but even if you're only a casual fan, it's it's worth the read. Brilliant. Well, I forgot that we, uh, we. I've got another one as well, which I forgot. Yeah, go ahead. I've got. Uh, it's a board game. It's called Watergate. It's only a little oh, one. Okay. But it's uh, it's all about one of you plays the editor of the Washington Post. The other one is uh, playing Richard Nixon, and you basically Nixon's trying to squash the investigation, and you're trying to uh, get it. The mechanics of the game are brilliant. The board looks like a, a conspiracy board with the, the thread, and you've got to connect oh, yeah, the, yeah. the witnesses to Nixon if you're the Washington Post guy. But it's brilliant you have these cards which change things and it deals with all the actual events and the rule book's really good because the rules are nice and simple you get the hang of it really quick but then there's a big section at the back which goes into detail about all the events and all the people involved so it's educational as well as lots of fun but it's uh watergate it's two players only oh cool uh, a nice little box good one to play but i've played this many times and nice. every time you're just going oh my god i've got this card i can beat them and then they play another card and you go i can't play this card and <laughs> great awesome i like that i'm always looking for good games and i do like sometimes play uh games that need less players i don't always have sick people yeah, to play yeah. games, you know? uh yeah. so a nice like two-player game sometimes is really handy and always looking for good board games so that's cool yeah, recommend that that's really good excellent all right well there you go so those are our recommendations this week uh when we come back uh two weeks from tonight we'll have some more new recommendations for you okay could be all kinds of things games books music videos, movies, you name it. 
Um, but for those of you who are watching live, uh, that's our schedule right now. We're doing this every two weeks, and we're doing our two little episodes, our, our ending episode and our top five episodes. For those of you guys who are watching or listening um, after the fact, uh, you should be able to access the next one soon. I think we're breaking up a little bit, so you, you know, give you a little bit more to keep coming back for, but just keep checking the, the channels and the podcast feed and whatever else, um, and we'll have new content coming your way pretty regularly. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be putting them up on YouTube one a week. So the first, the ending episode will be going up, and then the following week will be this top five episode on YouTube. You and that should hopefully be the way forward. Yeah, no, video every week. So, and we'll have the podcasts out. I might do the same, or maybe I'll put them. I'm not sure yet. We'll figure that out. But uh, first few episodes went live uh, actually earlier today, so we're getting we're getting caught up, but we're we're getting back into the swing of things. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, but sure, but we're getting there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we're enjoying the video format, and uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it as well. So, all right then. Well, with that said, uh, hopefully you enjoyed our list and our recommendations. Uh, we'll be back live in two weeks, uh, and and we'll be back unlive uh, whenever you choose to watch the next video or listen to the next podcast. So, uh, until that time, uh, thank you again for watching and listening. My name is Mike Spring, and I'm Phil Edwards, and we'll see you next time after the ending.